college football playoff rankings are out, we preview Penn State, and we hit up the midseason fan mail. I'm Adam Amble, and this is The M Factor. Welcome back, folks, to episode 10 after the off week, and I'm sure all of you are still partying hard or cheering up from that Michigan State victory a few weeks ago, but nonetheless, we got to start looking ahead to Penn State. We'll get into the preview of that game here, as well as a review of the playoff rankings, and then we'll hit up some midseason fam. I've got a lot of interesting questions from you guys that we're going to have some fun with, so... Let's dive right into the first story. The college football playoff rankings came out this week, and needless to say, not a lot of surprises within the rankings, I don't think. I don't think anyone was really surprised with the really the top six, I would say. We'll break down each team here in a little bit, but the top six were basically you know, pretty legit, maybe a few little shakeups from what the coaches and the AP polls had, but number one, of course, was Alabama. Number two, Clemson, followed by LSU, kind of leapfrog Notre Dame, who was at number four, but Notre Dame ranked uh, number three in the AP and coaches poll, followed by Michigan at number five and Georgia at number six. Only three one-loss teams out of those six, which are LSU, Michigan, and Georgia. Alabama still remains undefeated, Clemson undefeated, as well as Notre Dame undefeated. So let's kind of break it down, and I just want to give kind of my opinions on what could happen, because this, I, I honestly think that this really sets up kind of a a solid, solid next couple of weeks. I think the playoff committee really, really set themselves up well for uh, maybe a little drama at the end of the season, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. So Let's just start off with number one, Alabama. I, I definitely agree. I mean, I can't you can't knock Alabama. They are without a doubt playing the best in the country. And you really can't argue that. They got uh, they they've blown out almost every team that they've played. I think their closest one was Oh, let's see what, maybe Missouri. They only beat Missouri thirty nine to ten. The Texas A and M game was 45 to 23 other than that i mean they've scored over they've scored over 35 points every game this season and that was 39 to 10 over missouri like i just mentioned but let's really get into their schedule here and i look back at it and everyone of course is giving alabama the just you know going down on their knees and basically just bowing down to this team this year many college football analysts who know definitely know a lot more than me a lot of my friends a lot of family Everyone agrees that this could be the best Alabama team, the best college football team of all time. And I really have to step back and I'm going to take an unpopular opinion here. Why? I do have to ask the question, why are they touted as being the best college football team of all time? Possibly Uh, because they still got a long ways to go. And I look back at their schedule and I see one ranked team one ranked team they've played. And guess what? They got them at home. So they got to play Texas A&M, who's ranked 22nd right now. And they've only played they've only played one ranked team while they actually were ranked, and that's Texas A and M. So they only they won that game forty five to twenty three. And don't get me wrong, that's still a blowout, right? That's still not a crazy you know close game that Michigan and the Clemsons and LSU obviously has a loss, and Notre Dame even against Michigan and Pittsburgh, you know they they could have lost a lot of those or a couple of those games. So I really I, I just have to question the what is the criteria for them being touted as the best team of all time because I don't see it right now. Yeah, they've scored a lot of points. Their defense has still allowed a decent amount, more than Michigan's. I mean, they allowed 14 in that first game against a not a very good Louisville team this year, 23 against A&M, 14 against Louisiana, 31 
against Arkansas. That's not a very good game. I mean, they scored 65, so their offense is, without a doubt, very, very good. And they allowed 10 against Missouri, 21 against Tennessee. And don't get me wrong, I know a lot of these points are off mop-up points. You know, Michigan has allowed the same, you know, the same types of scores and stuff like that. So I'm not buying too much into that, that they've allowed a lot of points because a lot of those points, again, were mop-up points in the fourth quarter when Alabama, I'm sure, had their third string in because they have been blowing teams out in the first half. But nonetheless, who have they played? These teams are not that great. Our boy Feinbaum is just obsessed with the SEC being the best conference in college football. And I'm not going to disagree with that, but I can definitely put down some put down some factors that would kind of lead you to think the other way, or at least think that there are other conferences that are just as good, if not better. I mean, I can easily put up some Big Ten numbers for you, easily put up some ACC numbers for you, and they would look very similar. Like I said, one win against a ranked team, and that was Texas A&M, like I mentioned. So Alabama... Of course, they got the great quarterback. The running back situation isn't the greatest. I mean, Harris has only rushed for two 100-yard games this year. Higdon's been doing a lot better. Tua's been doing a great job back there. And don't take this the wrong way, folks. I'm not saying that Alabama is not a very good team. I'm not saying they do not deserve to be ranked number one. But come on, the best college football team of all time? I'm not buying that so much for the reasons I just stated. Let's look ahead at their upcoming schedule. They got the big one at LSU. Now, LSU comes in at number three in the playoff rankings, and rightfully so. I will give LSU a little bit more credit. They've had to play some great teams. I'd almost put them at number one, to be honest with you, if you're basing it solely on the strength of schedule. And you know what? How they won these games. Let's take a look real quick. First game of the season, Miami. Great game. They won 33-17. to Miami was ranked eighth. Auburn at Auburn, always a tough place to play. It was ranked seven at the time, 22 to 21. So really close game there, but at Auburn, tough place to play. And that, that was a top 10 team. They kind of destroyed over Louisiana Tech, 38 to 21. Old Miss, 45 to 16. Florida was their only loss. It was at the Swamp, tough place to play, no doubt about that. But they did lose 27 to 19, their lone loss on the season. So they did lose that one by eight points to a Florida team that was ranked 22nd at the time. Then was the big one, the big one against number two Georgia at the time, 36 to 16. And that was the one that pretty much propelled them. That propelled them over Michigan, actually, in the AP and coaches poll and propelled them over a lot of other teams, including Georgia themselves. So that was their signature win on the season. Now, they come right back and have to play Mississippi State, who was ranked 22nd. They did get Georgia and Mississippi State at home in that loss at Florida, so that kind of concerns me. How good are they playing on the road? But they get a little luck this season, and guess what? They get to play Alabama at home under the lights. That's an 8 o'clock game, guys. CBS will hopefully be basking in our tears of joy after we destroy Penn State to end this brutal stretch of the season for the Wolverines, but... They get Alabama at home, and we're really going to see what both teams are made of. Obviously, this is not a secret to anyone, anyone who watches college football, and hopefully Alabama takes them down. I'll get into the scenarios that I think are likely to happen, and then the scenarios that if some weird things occur, uh, we might be seeing some crazy things happen at the end of the year here for the playoffs in college football, but 
LSU, no doubt about it, they deserve to be three and not really four uh, in terms of the in the terms of the playoff rankings and the when compared to the AP and coaches poll. So nothing really to say that I think they definitely deserve that that one loss at Florida. It was twenty seven nineteen, and they kind of did get they they looked very. I remember watching this game; they did look very lackadaisical, just not very exciting. Burrow only had one hundred ninety two yards passing. Brissett only had ninety five yards rushing, and I think their leading receiver had like. I think it was Jefferson. He's been leading most of the year, but um, so not a very impressive performance at Florida, but they come right back and have a very, very impressive, if not the most impressive performance of the season against Georgia there, winning 36 to 30, uh, pardon me, 36 to 16. Maybe they can do something like that against Alabama. Again, that stadium is going to be nuts. It's actually one of those stadiums I'd really like to visit down there with a big game like this. I hear it's just insane. I hear the crowd just goes crazy. Uh, they got nothing on the Michigan fans, but at the same time, it would be one of those cool places to go to see a little, you know, a little SEC game there. And uh, I'm not jumping on the SEC bandwagon at all. In fact, I think I, I can't stand when people say speed conference of SEC and ACC. Get that out of here. That that's nonsense. So that kind of rounds out LSU at number three. Now number two comes in Clemson. Now Clemson, I am really, really on the fence about about being number two. Yeah, they are undefeated. That really close game against Texas A&M earlier in the year, Texas A&M wasn't ranked, but they did win that one 28 to 16, or pardon me, 28 to 26. That was at A&M. So that's a tough place to play down there too with the 12th man down there at uh, College Station. Another couple close games, that Syracuse game. That one was a tough one. That was when Lawrence went down and they only won 27 to 23. Actually had a very good chance to lose that game. Syracuse, if they would have if they wouldn't have had a couple costly turnovers at the end of the game, probably would have pulled that one out. And we won't even be talking about Clemson in the top five because their schedule hasn't been the greatest either. I mentioned if you look at the schedule up to this point, Clemson has had a tougher schedule than Alabama. That's not to say that Alabama is not the better team. I don't know. They obviously haven't played each other, so I don't know. All I can do is predict based on what I've seen this year so far in college football. And right now, I definitely, of course, I see Alabama being the better team. But if you were to compare strength to schedules again it goes to Clemson Clemson has that one key win against NC State that was at home but that was a 41 to 7 just blasting of NC State and like I mentioned Alabama only has that one win against A&M that was ranked and it was also a, a whooping but at the same time A&M was only ranked 22nd at the time so you got to give it to Clemson on that one on beating a better team in NC State last weekend was just embarrassing for Florida State I thought Florida State would have had a much better chance in that game However, Clemson just comes out and rolls them 59 to 10. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Lawrence had a great game, 314 yards. And then Rodgers on the Rodgers' go-to guy in receiving 156 yards. Not the best game rushing, but they didn't really have to. Again, some teams like Clemson like to air the ball out a little more than they run it. And then you get teams like Michigan, obviously, who like to establish that ground game. Both ways seem to work for these two teams. So we'll head to Number four, and that goes to our boys down there in South Bend, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I got to give it to them. Their schedule is pretty brutal as well. It is far better than Alabama and Clemson, Not maybe, maybe about equal to LSU's. They started off right off the bat. You know who. We went over it. The M Factor covered it. Michigan, luckily they got us at home, and they faced us when we were not playing the way we are right now. We played easily our worst quarter of football that first quarter against Notre Dame. That was easily our worst quarter of football this season. 
maybe the Northwestern first quarter was bad, but we didn't really look bad in that Northwestern game. I think Northwestern, like I mentioned earlier, just absolutely played their minds out the first half, and then everything kind of settled back down and the universe was right again. But that first game against Michigan, that was a huge win for them and a huge uh, statement game as well because Wimbush, I thought, had a great game. Wimbush had another great game against Ball State, kind of a letdown game. That was the second game right after Michigan in which they only won 24 to 16. So only an eight point victory for the the Irish against Ball State, who is just absolutely terrible this year over there in the MAC. They come right back and have another close game. And granted, all these uh, remind you that all these games are at home. So Michigan at home, Ball State at home, Vanderbilt at home, 22 to 17. Easily could have lost that game. Easily could have lost that game. That one came right down to the wire, and they only win at 22-17, to 17, so it went by five points there. And that was the end of Wimbush. So Wimbush kind of went downhill after that Michigan game. They bring in Book. Book has been playing his mind out, so he has been absolutely unstoppable these last, uh, what, the last six games? Yeah, absolutely unstoppable the last six games. Coming right out at Wake Forest and just rolling 56-27. to 27. Book with 325 yards, so a great game. And then he then he comes right back against number seven Stanford. This was supposed to be the game of the rest of their season, right? Stanford always a always a tough game against Stanford. Them and USC always seem to play the Fighting Irish very very well. And Notre Dame left no doubt, 38 to 17 against Stanford yet again. The luck of the Irish, right? They get Stanford at home, who was ranked number seven at the time. Book had another great game, 278 yards. Watch out for this guy. Uh, they also have Williams at running back there. He had 161 yards on the game. Overall, great game. I remember watching this one. Overall, solid game for Notre Dame. They definitely deserve that win. Then they come right back the next week, and it was a tough, it could have been a possible letdown game at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech was ranked 24th at the time. They come out with another solid win, 45-23, to 23, another, another whooping right there, and that game was also never really in doubt. Book with another solid game. And Williams with 178 yards rushing that game. So the Notre Dame offense really picked it up when they got Book in there. And there, I will say Michigan's a very dangerous team right now, but Notre Dame is also much more dangerous than they were when they beat us in the opening game there. So hopefully people aren't upset with me with state with uh, stating that, but it's true. If you look at the stats, if you watch the games, Notre Dame is playing obviously much, much better than they were playing us that first game of the season. Now, put Michigan and Notre Dame head-to-head right now, I think we beat them. Especially, I think we beat them at Notre Dame. I think we beat them on a neutral site. Of course, we beat them at home. I truly believe that. But if you're just looking at their regular stat or their stats and the, how their season's going, you really got to give it to them. But moving back to their schedule, after Virginia Tech, they got a letdown game against Pittsburgh. This was a game they should have lost. Pittsburgh had this game won, and somehow Notre Dame pulls it out 19-14. to But that's what good teams do, right? When you're down in adversity, that's what Michigan did against Northwestern. You come back, you fight back. You win the ball game. That's all that matters in the end is you win the ball game. Come back the following or the next week after Pittsburgh and play Navy, win forty four to twenty two. So that was that was last weekend. So Notre Dame easily deserves to be in the top four because they haven't lost a game. They haven't lost a game and they have out of the top four, they easily have the second hardest schedule so far. Like I, I gotta stress that I can't stress that enough. So far in the season, they easily have one of the one of the top five toughest schedules in the country. So that rounds out the top four. And if the playoffs were to begin today, it would leave the mighty Wolverines out. And I think rightfully so. I really do think the committee got this right. But having said that, this sets up such a great rest of the season. Because if you look at the schedules of these guys, it is amazing. So let's go back to Alabama. Alabama has LSU at LSU. Now Let's get into that game a little bit. LSU could could win this game 
but I don't think it's likely. I think Alabama is already favored by at least two touchdowns, I think it was, 14 points. This is at LSU, folks. This is how good people think Alabama is. They're going to go into the number three team in the country at night, rocking stadium, and still win. By, they're still favored by 14 points. That's what Vegas thinks. That's what all the, the experts think is that Alabama is going to roll in there and win by more than 14 points. Unbelievable. That is the respect that Alabama is getting. So I don't want to hear any of this. Uh, Alabama never gets any respect. I don't think anyone ever says that, but if you do, you're not the brightest of the bunch. Maybe you should watch some college football a little bit or listen to the M Factor, right? So move on to the number two team, Clemson. Clemson kind of has an easy route on the way out, so they could easily finish the season undefeated. They would have to go to an ACC championship game and more than likely, what, play maybe NC State again? I think they are on the opposite side. I'm not, I think out goes in the ACC. I don't think they're, they're divided, are they? I don't think they are. I think it's just the first and second place teams play each other. But the rest of the season for Clemson is Louisville at home at Boston College, who's ranked 24th right now. They got Duke at home, who who actually was ranked for a while there, but then kind of, you know, they, they hit the bulk of their schedule and kind of have a letdown sense. And then they get South Carolina at home. So, and then presumably a ACC championship game. So not a very tough road for Clemson to finish out this season undefeated. I think they do. I think Clemson easily is in the playoffs just based on the rest of their schedule. We move to LSU. Now, LSU, as I mentioned, has Alabama followed by at Arkansas. Rice at home, and then A&M at A&M. A&M's a tough place to play. I don't disagree with that, but I don't see them escaping this weekend against Alabama. So you give LSU two losses, they're out. There you go. Michigan wins out. They're right back into the top four. I don't think Georgia jumps them, but we'll get into that here after we go over the rest of the schedules with the uh, scenarios and stuff like that. So LSU, I figure, will lose to Alabama, and they won't make the SEC championship game. I do think Alabama just beats them down and Alabama wins out the rest of the season and finishes undefeated again and makes it easily into the playoffs as the number one seed. Following LSU, we go to Notre Dame. Notre Dame, if I were Notre Dame, I would be absolutely freaked out about this game coming this Saturday at Northwestern. This is the third biggest game of the day, I think, in my opinion. You got the Michigan-Penn State game, Alabama-LSU, and that darn Northwestern squad that seems to just eke by everyone, except Michigan, of course, but just get by everyone. And Northwestern has set themselves up to be the Big Ten West champions. They could have a rematch against Michigan, assuming Michigan wins out, a rematch against Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. How awesome would that be for Northwestern? I've never really had any beef with Northwestern, so uh, I'll be pulling for them, of course. And obviously, Notre Dame loses, kick them right out of the top four as well. I don't think, obviously, they can't get in, even though their strength of schedule is very tough. It's hands down equal to a lot of the top, a lot of the top, uh, the top strengths of schedules in the country. So even with one loss, though, it's just too late in the season right now for them to recover from that. And them not being in a conference, they can't get that extra victory. You know what I mean? They can't face that big team again. And maybe that maybe that propels them over another one loss team. This is when it hurts you not to be in a conference, guys. And I think the NCAA is really is still kind of upset that Notre Dame football is not in a conference because they want to keep that NBC TV rights. You know what I mean? So I, I don't think the NCAA or the committee will really give a team a benefit of the doubt if they do not play in a college or in the conference championship. And we've seen that in years past, right? So we'll get into that a little bit because that does fit one of the scenarios. But I see that Northwestern game being a big trap game 
It's a night game at Northwestern. You'll be playing the number four team in the country, and you better believe that Ryan Field will be rocking. It'll be rocking. Be rocking with a lot of Northwestern people. I know I said Michigan fans kind of take over that field, but they're not playing Michigan. So they play Notre Dame, and I guarantee Northwestern will show up for that game because they, they've shown up for every game this season. After Northwestern, though, they got Florida State at home. Florida State is garbage this year. They've been garbage the past couple of years, which is really, really concerning for them. Then they get Syracuse at home, which Syracuse is ranked number 22 now. So Syracuse, after that uh, nearly, nearly defeating Clemson, a lot of voters have given them some props and moved them into the top 25, and rightfully so because they've been they've been winning ball games, right? The last game of the season, always a toughie at USC. USC, again, kind of garbage this year. However, you never know. That's one of those crazy games, right? And it is at USC. Tough place to play again. So Notre Dame, I honestly think that Notre Dame loses one of those last four games. We don't have to talk about them anymore. So let's get into some of the scenarios. As I mentioned, if everything were to play out the way that I just predicted with Alabama undefeated, Clemson undefeated, LSU losing to Alabama, and then Notre Dame losing one of those final four games, giving them only one loss, assuming Michigan wins out or Ohio State wins out. If either of those teams went out, win the Big Ten championship, obviously they're in. You don't put a two-loss Big Ten team in there. Uh, that's just too much to ask. I'm, I'm very biased towards the Big Ten, but you just can't do that. So if that were the case, it would obviously be Alabama at number one, Clemson at number two, followed by the Wolverines. I really do. If the Wolverines went out, I think they move to the three spot, which would be nice because then they get to play Clemson. And don't get me wrong, I think Michigan can play with Alabama, Clemson, anyone in those top four at the present time. And if they continue to improve, they will easily, easily be able to stand toe-to-toe with those teams and possibly come out with a win. Didn't look like that at the beginning of the year, but we all have faith and we all kept rolling along with them. And I'm glad we did because we're not bandwagon Wolverines like you Sparties over there. So if that were to happen, like I mentioned, Michigan at number three. And you really have to put probably Oklahoma because you figure Georgia's at six, Oklahoma's at seven, and Georgia would presumably lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game. They would have to, or else they would have more than one loss. And if Georgia loses in that game, that would give them two losses, meaning Oklahoma would probably jump them and move into the fourth spot, which would be kind of crazy from where we're at right now, right? You'd have Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, Oklahoma in the playoffs. Now, where it gets kind of crazy, and people are going to go nuts over this, I guarantee it, they probably already are. Where it gets crazy is LSU beating Alabama this weekend. I don't see it happening, but you never know. Crazier things have happened. What happens if LSU beats Alabama and LSU wins out? Holy moly. Then you got a one-loss Alabama team that does not go to an SEC championship game. Do they get in? Do they get in? That is bad news for Michigan, folks, because presumably if Clemson wins out, LSU beats Alabama, and then Notre Dame wins out, ooh. I mean, I, we might have to, we would have to basically win and leave no doubt in games against Penn State, Ohio State, and then the Big Ten championship game. That would be kind of crazy because I do not think the voters would leave out Alabama, even though one loss and they did not play in the SEC championship game. And people always, it's funny because people always claim, especially the voters and the analysts and stuff like that, they always say, you do not deserve to go to the playoffs if you do not win your conference championship game. I would just love to see the hypocrites just totally turn it around 180 and say, well, Alabama, you know, just because they are the best team in the country. Why? Why? If they lose to LSU, the only ranked, technically the only major team that they have left, and that would give them a loss against LSU, a win against A&M, who was 22nd at the time, and then presumably a win versus Mississippi State, who's 18th, and I think Mississippi State drops 
because I don't think they're that good. They play the Citadel. You gotta be kidding me. Alabama's schedule is such garbage and they still get the love and they still are being touted as the best team ever in college football. It's just a bunch of crap. So I would just love to I just love to see the the, the hypocrisy come out. If Alabama loses to LSU and people are going to say you leave out Michigan or you leave out Georgia, Georgia, no, Georgia would end up losing to LSU in the the, uh, SEC championship if that were the case because LSU would have to win out in order to stay where they are at. But oh, it would just be amazing, would it not, folks? Unbelievable. So that is really the only thing that could throw a monkey wrench into Michigan's season besides losing. Still went out. Doesn't really matter how Ohio State finishes. Doesn't really matter who we face in the Big Ten Championship. If LSU loses this weekend, we're sitting in the driver's seat to control our own destiny for the playoffs. So don't worry about it, folks. It sounds terrible, but you might have to root for Alabama this weekend. I don't think they're going to need you. I don't think they're going to need anyone to cheer for them because I do think they will beat LSU handily this weekend. So that is the kind of the roundabout analysis of the college football first rankings, the first playoff rankings. A lot can change the rest of the season, as we have seen in years past. There's been some crazy, crazy, crazy things happen uh, with the last couple games, even in the last game, even in the conference championships, right, folks? So that leads us into this weekend's game, because none of this will be possible if Michigan does not win out the season. They have to win out. They have to beat Penn State, Rutgers, Indiana, Ohio State, and then probably Northwestern in that Big Ten championship. Wisconsin lost last weekend, and Iowa both lost last weekend. So Northwestern kind of in the driver's seat, but Northwestern can, uh, basically controls their own destiny. So go Northwestern. It'd be fun to see them again on a neutral site, and we'll see, we'll see if they can put up the same first quarter numbers on us that they did last time. I don't see that happening, but nonetheless, it'll be a fun game, and I just, I'm just hoping to make that game. It'd be really awesome. It'd be really fun. And it would extend the M factor for another game, right, folks? So I'm sure all of you are rooting for that. But let's take a look at the game. Michigan is already favored by 10, or start, or pardon me, Michigan started the week off favored by 10. I don't think that's a terrible number. I think McSorley is the only thing really holding that team together, holding that offense together. Last year they had Barkley, and it was a great one-two punch for Penn State last year. You can't deny that. So I really think they are struggling on offense due to not really having a solid run game. I know they ran all over Michigan State, who was, oh yeah, supposedly the number one rush defense in the country, right? Well, never mind that. But I really think Penn State struggling on offense is not good for them, obviously, especially when they come up against Michigan, who is now, again, the number one defense in the country. Good to see that again. And Michigan's offense is clicking. They have identity. They've been improving every week, the run game, the pass game. And you can't do any of that without the improvement of the offensive line. The midseason M-Factor Award, I know it's not really the midseason, but we're going to count it that, definitely has to go to that offensive line. That offensive line has improved every week, and we can't get running or passing done without that offensive line. That is your foundation. I really think everyone would agree with that. They, they got my back on this one. That offensive line has improved every week, and I think we are just way too much for Penn State. We get to play in the friendly confines of the big house on Saturday. That is a 345 kickoff, folks. I think Michigan rolls 35-10. to 10. 35 to 10, folks. I think it is that much of a blowout. Let's not forget two years ago when uh, Penn State kind of started this whole little run that they've had, and Michigan just 
absolutely dominated them in the big house. So I think we do it again. I think Michigan's defense will key in on McSorley all game long, probably rough him up a little bit. I know he's a competitor. He's a great competitor. I, I really enjoy watching McSorley play, but I just think their lack of the running game is really hurting them this year. And lack of a consistent running game, we'll say, because it's still not terrible. But McSorley just hasn't been able to pass the ball that well this year. He's still the, the most athletic quarterback probably in the league behind our boy Shea, right? No, I think he might be a little more than Shea. But I really think that Michigan's defense is just too much for that Penn State offense. And then our offense just gets a couple field position gifts and is able to continue to improve. I think Higdon has another 100-yard day. I think Patterson throws for over 200 as usual. Efficiency, keep those turnovers down. How about this at the midpoint or the halfway point of the season? Shea Patterson, three INTs. Three INTs, folks. That is incredible. That is a major reason why we are winning these games because of something that we alluded to before the season. That ratio, that touchdown to INT ratio. Keep the ball on your side. Keep the ball on offense. That is a major, major stat is three INTs. He has the least INTs out of any starting quarterback in the Big Ten, and he's thrown the ball a decent amount of times, not as much as some of the guys, but a decent amount of times. I mean, think about O'Corn had three INTs against Michigan State alone last year, so that just kind of puts it in perspective how much keeping the ball, not making the mistakes. You know, this is Brian Greasy via 97 style. Don't make the mistakes that lose your team the ball game. He kind of did that against Notre Dame, if you don't remember. Kind of had that fumble. Wasn't the greatest in efficiency. The accuracy just wasn't, didn't seem to be there. He was running around a lot. Our offensive line was not that good. Again, that was our worst quarter of football against Notre Dame there. Ever since, everyone has been improving. Every single person, except for maybe Quinn Nordine. But other than our kicker, everyone else has been improving. So I think Michigan, easily 35-10 this weekend. Go Blue. If you're going to the game, it's supposed to be a decent weather. It's supposed to be a little chilly, you know, still in the 40s and stuff like that. Calling for just partly cloudy skies. But uh, if you do go to the game, have a great time and cheer on the fellas, just like I know you have been all season. If you're not going to the game, the game is at 345, like I mentioned, on ESPN. Tune in, cheer them on like that. We will be having another watch party here at the M Factor Studios. So if you are around town, shoot me a text. Come on up. It's a great view. We got a couple TVs rolling. It's a good time up here. Some adult beverages and some munchies will always be here. So um, yeah, just shoot me a text. Come on over, folks. So now let's move on to something. Uh, it'll be a new segment for the M Factor, and it is basically the mid-season questions. I got a lot of questions throughout the year on just random things, and I'd really like to respond to them uh, because a lot of them are pretty in-depth. Some of them are pretty solid, and some of them are rather spiteful and stuff like that. So let's let's roll right in. First question is, Mr. Amble, love the show. Hope you keep going, buddy. Great job. If you had to choose between a quarterback, between John Navarre or Tate Forcier, who would you choose? Well, this is a no-brainer, folks. Tate Forcier, by far, by a landslide. Tate Forcier was awesome to watch. I bought his jersey for crying out loud. Yeah, I know he kind of went downhill, but he won us that Notre Dame game. John Navarre, you know what I'm saying. John Navarre, no, 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 never going to happen. Tate Forcier, number five for life. Tate Forcier. Next question, <laughs> kind of along those same lines. I hear you talk about John Navarre almost every episode, or at least mention his name. Would you ever consider having him on the show? Well, that's a very, very good question. First of all, I don't think the M Factor, I don't want to sell a short here, but I don't know if John Navarre hopefully would never listen to it uh, because I don't want someone like that listening to my show. If he ever, uh, yeah, if he ever got a hold of me somehow or 
Uh, something like that. Yeah, I'd probably have them on. It would be rather interesting. And I would probably be civil. I, I think I would be civil. But just the, the raw hatred I have for John Navarre and him putting me through those four years, just I can't get rid of it for some odd reason. But yeah, I'd probably have him on the show. It'd be a good time. Uh, I'd, I'd just I'd have to think about the questions that I'd ask him and stuff like that because I could probably get pretty creative with a lot of them. And hopefully he doesn't end up, uh, he's, you know, he's a pretty big dude. So I don't, I don't want him throwing me out a window or something like that. So John, if you're listening, buddy, it's all in good fun, or is it? We will never know. All right, next question. What are your thoughts on all that has been happening with the Ohio State Buckeyes this year? Well, another solid question, and actually there's a lot that's been happening the last couple of weeks in regards to Urban Meyer's future with Ohio State. I know it's not, you know, they're not threatening to fire him, but this is kind of Florida-ish, or Florida-esque if you want to call it that, of when he just randomly kind of retired because of he stated health issues kind of having the same thing and then to add on top of that all the stuff over the uh, handling with the zach smith thing going on there and the uh, domestic violence accusations and stuff against zach smith uh, how he handled that he did have to serve that three game suspension so really the season just got off to kind of a goofy start for urban meyer obviously the suspension of him kind of put a spin on how the season was supposed to go they definitely started the season amazingly even without urban on the sideline uh, with some very, very convincing victories, but the, these last couple of weeks, their defenses looked just terrible. They got shredded by Purdue. Then Purdue goes and loses to Michigan State. Uh, so I don't know what is going on on the sidelines there. And then his health has been a problem all season, I guess. All of this stuff is starting to come out of the woodwork. And to be honest with you, I kind of believe that he will step down after this season because he just he doesn't have the the love of the Ohio State fan base that he did all because of what happened earlier this year. I really believe that. I at least think he lost some of his fan base with all of those rumors and stuff like that. And rumors rumors hurt people, folks. I'm not going to get into the politics of things, but the rumors are never good for anyone, especially when they're negative and especially when there's something that uh, Zach Smith was, was accused of. And the fact that uh, Urban might have covered some of that stuff up or not reported anything responsibly uh yeah it definitely plays a it plays into your health i'm not gonna lie to you plays head games with you and stuff like that so his demeanor on the sideline eh, i mean it just he does look tired he looks tired he just doesn't look like he's having fun that he's that he's looked like he's had in the past since he's been at ohio state so i really do think he steps down now will i be will i be upset or will i be happy neither no no really motion about it because they're just gonna go out and get someone just as good it's ohio state guys i know it pains me to say that but they will go out and get a cream of the crop coach and be just fine urban obviously has owned michigan but again those ties could be turning this year and what i don't want to see happen is we beat them and then urban retires and then it's all then beating ohio state this year at ohio state it's all about urban meyer at that point so uh, that's that's kind of my answer for that. Hopefully that kind of clears it up. But there has been a lot of stuff that has happened in the last couple of weeks that definitely has, has raised some eyebrows in terms of will Urban return next season with the Buckeyes. Next question is, Adam, I notice on your rival annoyance of the week that you always seem to pick on Michigan State. Ohio State, for many of us older listeners, has always been the main rival. Why so much hatred towards the Sparty and not anything about the Buckeyes? Well, I kind of alluded to this earlier this season, the fact that I just don't live around a lot of Ohio State fans. I really only know maybe not even a handful, to be honest with you, not even a handful of Ohio State fans. And they just don't really talk smack because they have owned us since I've moved down here to Jackson. They have owned us for the majority of my life, they have definitely owned us. So they really don't feel the need to really, you know, just 
talk smack or really, really annoy me and stuff like that. So I really don't have a lot of annoyances towards Ohio State because they, for my memorable life, have been basically a lot better than Michigan. It pains me to say that. Guys, I'm really sorry. I don't like saying that at all, but they really have. And the fact that I just live around so many arrogant Michigan State fans, and I know they're going to say that about Michigan fans, but their sense of belonging into the big names of college football just really annoys me. So I would like the chance to really rip them down as much as I can. So that's really why I don't talk a lot about Ohio State because they've earned everything that they've they've achieved and accomplished over the last, you know, over the last century of football. And that really it's it's just tough to find something that really annoys them because, you know, I don't really watch them on the weekends. I don't care about their stadium. I don't care about their fight song, their uniforms, their designs, their antics. Just nothing really upsets me about them maybe because I don't have anyone that I'm around that's a real Ohio State fan so that's probably that's probably the main reason why and because Sparty really is annoying so there's always that but moving on to the next question hey Adam big fan of the M factor just want to know if you think that Jim Harbaugh will leave for the pros after this season if they indeed make the college playoffs not a chance I think Jim Harbaugh is having a great time at Michigan they pay him just as much as any pro coach would want and I really think that looking how the NFL has really politicized itself, I, I don't think Harbaugh really wants to deal with all that nonsense. I think he enjoys the recruiting trail. I think he really enjoys getting out there and meeting the families, meeting these kids, watching these football games. You know, you just look at over the past couple of years, even though we haven't been, a lot of critics say haven't been living up to his expectations, he's been out there having a blast. You got to love him. He's a great personality. He says what's always on his mind. He's not the best interviewee, if you want to call him that. His answers are always just always the same, always the same. If you ever watch his post-game interviews, they're just hilarious. I got to laugh when I watch every single one of them. And it's, I could literally, if he wouldn't say the name of the team or the question didn't have the name of the team that they played that week in it, you would think it's just a, it's just a exact copy of the games before. It's, it's hilarious. I would highly recommend going to listen to him. But no, I don't think he goes to the pros, even if they make the college playoffs, even if they win the national championship. I don't think there's a chance of that. Of course, there's always going to be rumors of the NFL. I, I already heard some. The Browns just fired their coach this week. The Browns have been calling them, trying to get them to visit and stuff like that. And it could be a, a beeline ploy as well. Don't forget when beeline interviewed with the Pistons, I didn't. I, I thought there was a 0% chance of beeline going to the Pistons. I think it's a very good ploy to maybe get your assistants a little more money from the university, and rightfully so because his assistants are doing great. His position coaches are doing fantastic. And it was the same thing with Beeline. So I know you're going to hear a lot of rumors in the next couple of weeks. Of course, if they do well this season, let's hope they do. I would easily take a national championship and then Harbaugh leave as opposed to mediocre seasons and Harbaugh stay. Of course, I think anyone would, in their right mind would choose that. Any Michigan fan would choose that any day of the week. But I just don't think the ambition is there to go back to the pros because I think the NFL is kind of a little bit of a mess right now. But that's just my opinion. And I just think he's having way too much fun. And everyone always goes back to the money. Heck, he doesn't need, he's getting paid what an NFL coach would get anyway. So no, not a chance. I don't think he leaves for either of those situations. I think he's there at least to finish out his contract and then hopefully renew it because the season has proved so far that he is up to the challenge and he is turning the program around in the right direction even after last year. So next question asks, just wondering who you think will be the M Factor player of the year at the end of the season. That's a very good question. Right now, it could be just a handful of players. I'll probably divide it out in between offense, defense, and maybe special teams. Defense right now easily is Winovich. I think it really is. I think it's easily Winovich. I think Winovich has been really the 
it's sad that he wasn't a captain, and I know the players vote on this and stuff like that, but he has really uplifted the squad. I see his emotion, and I see his just wanting to win, killing it with the media, social media, with the sports media, with his revenge tour talk and stuff like that. And I really think it's a slogan that everyone can get behind, Michigan fans, the coaching students and even the media like I said the players definitely and I just think it's great and I think Chase Winovich has lived up to the M Factor player of the year so far he is exactly what you want a Michigan guy to be those post-game interviews are just fantastic even you know I I mentioned it a couple weeks before when he was on college game day before the game even that was fantastic just a really uplifting guy and I'm glad he came back this year and he deserves every award or uh, all the uh, praise that, that he is getting right now because he certainly has lived up to it. The stats show it. And really, it's his attitude and leadership on the field that has really showed it. I know he had that, what was it, that personal foul against Northwestern a couple weeks back. But other than that, played a clean season and has really been really been impressive. He's really stepped up this year, like I said, both on and off the field. So defensively, it would probably have to go to Chase Winovich. Now on the offense, I got three three major ones and it's going to be tough it's going to be tough thing because right now it's tough so i can only imagine by the end of the year and that is michigan o-line karan higdon and of course shea patterson all three of them i could i would say a three-way tie between between them and i could go into all of it but uh unfortunately we are running out of time i got time for one more question and it is i love listening to the show it's always a great thing to listen to on thursday nights or friday morning when i wake up and headed to work well thanks i appreciate that buddy will you continue to do this throughout the off season if so what are you going to talk about on the m factor well that's a great question i have a few ideas i do not want to give them out yet i will have a couple episodes during the off season I have not yet decided on whether to do basketball. It's just, you know, it did, it takes a lot of time, folks, but and I appreciate you guys listening and stuff like that and all the reviews and the ratings and, and whatnot. But at the same time, it does take up a lot of time. But I do want to talk about Michigan basketball. So that will be, uh, that's an idea. We'll see how it goes. It might not be as long as episodes and stuff like that, but at least we can review the games and stuff like that with you guys. And I'm really looking forward to basketball season. So it should be another good one for them. But Hang in there. I will let you guys know what will be the plan for the offseason. Like I said, I really have I, I have a few ideas. I just really need to analyze it and make sure that it's worth the time and worth your guys' time as well to listen to it and tune in and stuff like that. So thanks for the question and thanks for the support, everyone. Thanks for all the questions, guys. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys listening in. Those were great questions. Fun to answer. That's what I enjoy about this show is really answering the questions and uh, going over all the things that we go over here on the M Factor. So that will conclude episode 10. Like I mentioned, this Saturday, Penn State. If you are ahead of the game, get there early, get your tailgating on, get rocking and rolling, make that stadium just unbelievable. Pack the house as you always do. Make it loud. Let's return the favor to Penn State like they did last year to us. So let's keep that revenge tour going. If you are not headed to the game, the game will be on ESPN. 345, as I mentioned. Hope everyone has a great rest of the week. Go Blue. I am Adam Amble, and this is The M Factor. (laughs) 